Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder for me. edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Oh, yes. Back at the Westgate on Friday, so come on down. See the show live, 2 to 4 p.m., of course. Jay Schrader, the quarterback, will be joining me on Friday. I'll be out tomorrow in Phoenix as the Aces are taking on the Mercury. Brittany Griner, Dinah Tarazi, see them in action, hopefully, tomorrow. Aces continue on with the best record in the WNBA at 10-1 as we Continue, keep on keeping on. Appreciate Mark Davis uh, for joining us. And you heard that interview last hour. Go to the website, check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. All right, uh, we continue on this hour. Chuck Esposito will join us over at Red Rock. We'll uh, talk a little betting. We'll talk Golden Knights. We'll talk about the future bets already coming in on the Golden Knights for next year at 9-1. to That and a whole lot more coming your way in the show. But right now... We talk a little boxing. We talk a little sweet science. And even more than that, we visit with one of our all-time favorites, my guy. And I wanted to have him on because we don't have a fight coming up here like you know, right away. But he just got inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, long overdue. Credit to him. We're talking about the five-time champ. Does a fantastic job with ESPN on the top-ranked boxing shows. The one and only... Tim Bradley, what is up, Broham? What's good, TC? What's up with you, baby? It's all How you good. doing, man? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you you taking the time, man. I know be, between you know boxing and who knows what you're doing, man. You're out there, you know. You're eating tacos. <laughs> you're fixing tacos. You're doing yard work. Timmy B, he is a man of all seasons. He does it all behind the scenes. I probably shouldn't be telling people that. No, nah, it's all good, man. I'm out here doing yard work right now, man. I'm uh half iron in my my lawn right now, man, and I'm trying to get a trying to produce a lawn right now, right, right before summer. Well, you know, challenge, but I think I can do it. Yeah, you know, most people have people that that do their uh, yard work for them. You know, former champs and Hall of Famers, they got people to do that. It's therapeutic for me, man. I enjoy it. You know, it's like building something and then seeing the, the product, you know, grow over time, bro. It's just great. Yeah, I love it. I enjoy this, man. Yeah, I, 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 I totally get that. We always, always talk about yeah. that with uh, my good friend Dusty Baker. He, he's, he does his wine. He does his yard work. He does all that, the plant and everything <laughs> during the off season. I go, man, you know, you could, you could have somebody else do that. He goes, no, man, I love. You're right. It's therapeutic. You're right. So that's yeah. Good, good for yeah. you, man. Hey, I want thank you. I want to touch on a few things. First and foremost, again, congratulations on the induction for the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, well deserved. You know, I, I love the whole Hall of Fame thing, man. I love it. And yeah. So talk about how you got the 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 initial call. Whether it was a letter, email. Tell tell us how that went down when you first got the word. Man, I've been waiting for a few years, you know, as you know. Yeah. I mean, the, the last couple of classes, I think, with COVID and everything, and then the 2001 class was just deep. I mean, dude, if I <laughs> there was no way I was going to squeak by those guys, man. Those guys are legends in the sport, Andre Ward and Mayweather and so on and so forth. 
So when I got the call, you know, they said sometime around December uh, that you'll get a call, and I was just waiting patiently. Uh, it so happened that I was actually going, I was going to attend to my wife. She got a flat tire. She hit a pothole in the back roads uh, near Temecula, um, near wine country over there. Um, and I was going to attend to her, give her my truck so she could take off and go to work because she had to go out to Palm Springs, as you know. Um, and as she left, she turned around in my trunk, and I said, what the heck is going on? Like, what, she forget something in the car? I'm sitting in the car and uh, waiting on the tow truck. She turns around, comes to my side, gets out the vehicle, and she hands me the phone. And I'm like, who the hell is this? And she said, the phone's for you. Here. <laughs> and right then, Ed, man, Ed Brophy, man, was on the phone. He said, is this Tim Bradley? I said, yes, it is. He goes, this is the International Boxing Hall of Fame. This is Ed Brophy. And, I, man, I broke down on the side of a dirt road, bro. <laughs> I can picture it. I can put on knees, put got on my knees, looking up at the sky, saying, Thank you, Lord, man, just thanking God, man, and start bursting out in tears, man. Uh, it was a great feeling, man. It was so overwhelming. And, you know, the way he was describing everything was just fantastic. His voice, his tone, it was unbelievable, man. Great experience. One of the best experiences of my life. That is and, and a moment that you will always remember, you know, getting that initial call. So. Uh, no, I, no. What I'm gonna remember is Dan standing on the side of the road. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. That that's what I'm saying. That's you're, you're gonna remember. You know how you got the word. That's you know you're gonna remember yeah. the ceremonies. You're gonna remember the great fights. But you're gonna remember that. That's probably gonna go to the top for you. It's like I'm standing on the side oh of the road, God. man, and, and here comes Monica driving. Like, ah, phone's for you. I can I can just picture yeah. this, man. I can picture this. That's cool, oh, man. Unbelievable. Yep. That's Thank cool. you. Let's talk about the, the weekend in, in Canastoga. And, and I know that it was just a couple weeks ago. Uh, I've heard the stories from so many of our mutual friends who have, you've been inducted, you know, you know, prior to let, let's, uh, let, let's hear the Tim Bradley version on your weekend there, man, in the induction. Oh, it's busy. You're busy. You think you're going to get there and rest and relax? Oh, no. You got you got signings from signings. You got to go to different sites. You got to meet different people. Uh, you got to interact with the fans. I mean, dude, when I got off the plane, this is how crazy the fans are out there. As soon as I got off the plane and I'm heading to go get my bags, there's guys with suitcases full of gloves, full of memorabilia of you, pictures I ain't seen in years. In years, you know, dating back to when I fought Junior Witter and so on and so forth. Like, it was unbelievable the amount of memorabilia these guys got. And they're just signing one after the other, one after another. And I'm like, man, didn't I just sign your glove already? <laughs> Damn, you brought another glove over. So I'm sitting there like 15 minutes. My family's sitting there, and I'm signing gloves. So then, all right, I get my bags, okay? Didn't unsign. I say, that's enough. I go to the hotel. Tell me why the same guys was at the hotel. I could not believe it. It was unbelievable. It was like they beat me to the hotel. <laughs> when I got off the plane, they were there. And there was even more people just standing. Each day that it went on, each day, it got more and more busy. Uh, not only with just fans, but it also got busy with, like, legends. Legends in the game. Roberto Duran was there. It was like, you know, you had all the inductees that year that was there. But then, like, as the week went on, I started seeing, like, you know, uh, uh, Nunn, uh, Michael Nunn was there. Uh, you know, guys like uh, Zab Judah showed up. I mean, it was a ton of guys that I was, you know, raised up watching, you know, that were just showing up. And I was just like, oh, this is unfreaking believable Even Spinks was there, you know. And I'm like, man, yeah. Ray Mercer. Yeah. You know, I, I hear he attends every single year. So, you know, I, I just was just in awe of all these guys. And you, you can't even imagine, like, all these guys, like, when you meet fighters, they're so down to earth, man. Like, they never seem to be, like, beside themselves or above everyone. All they, everyone else, they just, they're just so humble mm. and, and so funny and so entertaining, man. Even uh, JJ was there. Uh, Junior Jones. Yeah. Junior Jones was there, wow. you know. Wow. Um, so it, it was a lot, of, a lot of great faces there, man. A lot of characters. Um, when, you know, when we all got in the room, you can just feel the energy. You can feel the egos at the same time, but you can just feel the energy. And no matter how old these guys get, everybody's always trying to pick on each other. Man, I'll take you. I'll do this to you. And, man, I would have whooped you here. And, I, you know, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, moving on, we had a ceremony the night before the induction. It was like a dinner. I thought that was pretty cool. Now, 
I didn't know I had to do like two speeches. So anybody that get inducted into the boxing hall, you better prepare for two speeches. One is a short speech, and the other one on a Sunday. That Sunday is the main, the main one. Right. So I'm sitting there, and I, you know, Flavor Flav is there, and then you know Jimmy Leonard in it, and Jimmy Leonard Jr. introduced me, right? And he was just like, you know, you're gonna go against Duran. Uh, you know, it's a makeup fight or whatever. Let's 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 bring y'all together. So Duran got up, I got up, and you know, I had to say a few words. Duran had to say a few words. So, man, I I, I did not know. I, I prepared myself as I was watching other other fighters that were going up there or inductees that were going up there and speaking for a minute. So be prepared for that. But it was a cool dinner. Cool dinner. I I enjoyed it. It was a, a nice dinner, a nice display. Um, Ed Brophy does a great job, man. Entertaining. Not only the fans there in Canastota, but uh, us as well. Um, you know, he, it's a red carpet. He lays it out, man. Uh, you don't have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to worry about eating. He feeds you. He takes care of you. You know, lunch, uh, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm-hmm. He takes care of you in that way. So, And uh, you just got to make sure you take care of your hotel room, baby, and your, air fl- and your airfare. I think you get one, two, two tickets for the airfare. So, yeah. But other than that, great event, man. Great, great event. And uh, you're etched in uh, in history, brother. Uh, Timothy Bradley Whoa. Jr. in in the international boxing. Well, I can element. tell you one more thing. Yeah, I can tell you one thing. I've been invited to go there like ten times, probably ten times before I actually went. And I said no. I turned it down. I said, you know, there's a possibility I can get into the Hall of Fame. There's a possibility. You know, I I, I look at my resume. I'm saying I'm there, man. Like I fought the great guys. I fought, you know, I unified the titles twice at 140. I fought, you know, the best guys out there. Besides Mayweather, that's the only guy I didn't face. And so this is my first time actually going to the museum. Never been, never seen it, never looked at pictures online. I didn't want to. I was like, nah, I want to go and I want to witness it for the first time. So when you walk in, when you first walk in the museum, you walk up a flight of steps, like five steps you walk up. And then it's like you're in boxing heaven. It's like you're surrounded by greatness. You're seeing Jake LaMotta. You're seeing Ali, Sugar Ray Robinson. I mean, you're seeing all the greats. And you're seeing, you're seeing like, uh, you know, uniforms, gloves, old mouthpieces. And the coolest thing that I thought was super dope, and I got a chance to do it, was the, the molding, the fist molding. Oh, that yeah. was awesome. Yeah. The fist molding was probably the highlight of my week right there besides getting my dang ring on Sunday. Um, <laughs> but the fist molding was fantastic because some of these hands, you would think like some guys that have like big group, he's a knockout punch. He got big hands. No, he got small hands. Mm. You know, Hearns didn't have big hands. I think I got bigger hands than Hearns. I've heard that. Tommy yeah. 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 He didn't have big hands at all. So I thought that was really interesting as well. Uh, Timothy Bradley joins us, uh, one of the newest members in the International Boxing Hall of Fame. And he went through the ceremonies just a couple uh, weeks ago, and we're reliving that here. And let me say this, Tim. You know, when you talk about, you know, you okay, wow, you caught off guard about that, you know, that short speech or the second speech. You know, I think that probably the uh, your experience, would you say? of doing these fights on television and working with top rank where a lot of times you have to speak off the top of your head or whatever probably yeah. prepares you better than maybe somebody else. And let's be totally honest. You had a great career in the ring. There's no doubt about it, but being visible almost on a weekly basis. And especially for the boxing fan, for these major fights, for you being in one of those chairs to broadcast some of the greatest championship fights that we're seeing nowadays, don't you think that that also kind of helped you, you know, uh, you get into the Hall of Fame maybe sooner than later? Yeah, there's a huge possibility on that. I mean, I, I really do. I, I think being being involved in this sport definitely helps. Um, you know, as I walked as I walked around the arena, it's funny you say that at fights. Um, you know, I, I come across a lot of media, and they go, "We got to get you in the Hall of Fame, man. You've had a great career." And a huge advocate of mine was actually, during my career, he was one of my enemies. I, he was one of my enemies, and that was Dan Raphael. Yeah. Dan Raphael, when I was growing in my career, I mean, dude, he criticized me so much. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't stand Dan Raphael, yeah. you know. But he was the one, he was the one that, you know, that I appreciate most. He really is. I appreciate him most because he was the advocate of saying that, hey, I belong in the Hall of Fame. And he would break down why I belong in the Hall of Fame. 
you know, but to his credit, the fact that he put me down, it made me better. The fact that he criticized me, it made me better, man. You know, he was like, oh, he snaps with his punches. Oh, he does this. Oh, he doesn't go to the body enough. He doesn't do this. And so I would go to the gym and say, okay, I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm going to prove him wrong. So, you know, the criticism, it, it, it comes with the territory. you got to understand that. So me being on the media side now and me having to criticize other fighters, it, 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 it's hot and cold at the same time because they say, Tim, you're so hard on me. I said, well, it's a hard sport, baby. Mm-hmm. What you mean? It's life or death in the ring. It's a hard sport. I know what it takes to get to the top. But at the same time, they said, well, you did this. You did this. You know all the kind of criticism affect you. I said, yeah. At first, at first, I was the same way you were, young man. I was the same way. I couldn't stand the criticism. I couldn't stand the hate. Or it felt like hate. That's what it felt like. Oh, we don't like you. We don't like you. No, they're just telling their truth and what they see from their experience. You know what I'm saying? So the difference between me and a Dan Raphael, I did it. I did it. So I've been going Dan Raphael, he never fought before. You know what I'm saying? So that's a major difference, too. <laughs> no question. And it's it's funny because a lot of athletes will say, oh, you know, we don't pay attention to what the media says and this and that. But there are guys oh. that do. You know, they really they, they read those clippings and maybe that's an extra, you know, motivation, you know, that you need. But uh, and it, it's cool because now you come full circle. But again, you know. Again, I think that's why you are loved and you're respected. And you could say maybe some fighters, maybe I'm, I'm not going to say they don't like you because that's that's that that's wrong. But they don't like what you'll say because you basically took that oath and says, "I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to tell it like it is. At least this is my perspective here." And I think the bottom line, Tim, no matter what the fighter says. They respect you. They respect you because you did it in the ring. You wore that belt for so many times, and now you you you're commentating. You're a huge advocate yeah. for boxing. Yeah, I, I totally agree, man. I totally agree. You can you can put that in a better way, man. That was great. Hmm. Yep. All right, brother. So, give me before we leave the the conversation about the weekend. Give me the one guy or two guys that that you got to spend some time with that maybe was kind of like bucket list for you that you're like, wow, that was cool. Ah, uh, one or two guys that I got to spend. You talking about at the induction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. During the weekend and everything. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, man, the funniest guy. The funniest guy there was was JJ. The funniest guy, but the guy that I got to sit next to, and that was Junior Jones. Funny, hilarious. Um, the one that I got to sit next to was Zab Judah. I didn't, you know, like watching Zab on TV and you know, and, and, and the way he moved in his career and so on and so forth. Like, I didn't, I didn't know that he was he was extremely articulate, man. Yes, and Zab is articulate. He's a he's smart. He's savvy. Yeah, you know. So I got to sit down and, and talk to him and just pick his brain and, and and have a conversation just about business in general. You know, some of the things that he done with his money and some of the stuff. And he's well off, you know, and, and he's doing very extremely well. And his kids are doing extremely well as well. So you know, I, I thought that was super cool. I've met Duran once before. Uh, I met him in Australia uh, when um, Ricky Haddon was fighting against. No, not Ricky Haddon. Excuse me. Ricky must be talking about me. Um, when <laughs> when Manny Pacquiao was fighting Jeff, uh, Horn. Jeff Horn, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first time I met him. Um, so he's a, he's a guy that I always wanted to meet, and so I met him there. So I wasn't like you know fanboy all over him, and, you know crazy over him. But he's a really funny guy too. Um, sit next to him. I'm telling you, these personalities of these fighters, man. They're, they're, they're funny. They're light, man. They are light, man. You know, they come from nothing. We A lot of these guys, they come from nothing, even including myself. Yeah. So, you know, success, when we're su- successful, you know, we stay humble. You know, most of us stay humble for, I just I should say that, most of us do, but he's hilarious. And when we were having our speeches and we were doing our speeches and, and, and uh, he would, <laughs> Duran would make noises. You know, uh oh, oh, just some of the things that we're saying. He, he he'll make funny gestures in the background, kind of throw you off a bit. But it just tells you a whole lot about how he was as he's a person and as a fighter. Tricky, tricky, tricky fighter as well. So pretty cool. Yeah, yeah no question, Roberto Duran. I mean, one of the uh, one of the guys, one of the I guess one of the characters. No question. And you say Jab Zab Judah. I just when you say that, uh, you know Zab. It was one of the first guys when I moved back, uh, you know, here to Vegas, like in 2015, and he had come on my show. Zab Judah was my first 
Twitter follower. I go, hey, man, I got this Twitter wow. thing, this and that. He goes, give me your phone, man. He goes, I, I said, he goes, I'm going to be your first Twitter follower. I go, right on. That's cool. <laughs> Zaz, my guy. <laughs> he's a, hey, he's so cool, man. And, and the guy, and the guy looks tremendous. Yeah. Like he's in shape. Yeah. And I'm like, dang, Zab, what are you doing? He's like, I got a gym. I got a gym out in LA. I, you know, I, you know, I got a gym out there. I train every day. I spar. I was like, what? You're sparring? Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, do an exhibition, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so cool. All right, hey, speaking of exhibition, man. While I got you on the phone, I, I was going to get to this story today because this is my terrible Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Things that just irritate me. And sure enough, I got to talk. I I saw Floyd Mayweather at the Aces game the other night and talked to him briefly. But you know, he just came back from Miami or, you know, Florida and, and did another one of these exhibitions. This is like the seventh exhibition that he's, that he's done. And I want your take on this, man. It was, it's Floyd Mayweather against, uh, John Gotti, the third, it ended in an all out brawl between both fighters camps in the ring. The fight, uh, turned into chaos, and I, I, I was shocked that my guy, our guy Kenny Bayless, was actually refereeing this fight. So, I mean, to try to give it some legitimacy, I don't get it. But yeah, this thing was was just a mess, and Gotti, I guess, was holding Floyd for a majority of the fight. Uh, hardly landed any punches. Floyd dominated the first five rounds, and then they called a halt to the bout because it was total chaos. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, see it, or hear about it. But it was just another one of these jokes of a fight. It's not a fight. I mean, it's not real boxing. We understand that, and I get it. Floyd wants to keep making money, but I don't know, Tim. As a guy who just got inducted into the Hall of Fame, when you see your sport that's being portrayed like this with one of the all-time greats who just milking money and fighting these nobodies, what do you think of this? Um, you know what? It's funny. I don't have a problem with it. Okay. Um, if you if you go back and you look at the history of the sport. Uh, even when fighters were and, and actually active, they were doing exhibitions. You know, Joe Lewis was doing exhibitions. Sugar Ray Robinson, Muhammad Ali was doing exhibitions. There's tons of guys that used to do exhibitions, even when they were active as fighters, just for entertainment value. That's just, that was just it. And, you know, money, money at the end of the day, just to stay busy. So Floyd Mayweather's retired now, and this is another source of income for him. He's using his talent, and he's using his popularity, to make money. And what he's doing is he's teaming up with a lot of these, uh, you know, either YouTubers or these famous people and he's getting the ring with them and they're able to make some money for themselves. And, you know, he's been able to make, he's able to make money for himself and doing the thing that he loved to do. And he's staying in shape, yeah. you know, and staying in the gym and staying relevant and keeping his name relevant, somewhat attached to the sport and the sport that he loves. You know, it's, I, I rather this, I rather he do this than actually try to come back and fight at the age that he's at. You know, and get in there with these young guys. You know what I mean? Because things might not go well for him. I don't think it'll be healthy for him. Not, not to say that Floyd Mayweather don't got the goods. He does got the goods, but why take that type of risk? You understand what I'm saying? Uh, totally. Why not do yeah. the exhibitions? Yeah. Why not make the money? I don't have a problem with it. I mean, we got, you know, look, look, <laughs> what's that kid named? We got Jake Paul in there. He's doing his thing, too. You know, he's making his millions of dollars. He's training hard and he's doing what he has to do, you know, but you got to respect that. It's still a risk involved and things can happen inside that ring. So, I respect it. Don't have a problem with money. Mayweather making his money and doing his thing. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't mind doing it either. You know? It, well, actually, but, uh, it's <laughs> smart. I mean, it, it really is smart because if you're going to get paid a ton of money, multi, multi millions of dollars to do this. And yeah, you, you're right. I mean, time you step in the ring, it is a risk, but literally when yeah. you, you're, you're fighting the, the caliber guys he's fighting, it's, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's really not that much of a risk and it's, it's kind of easy money. It is. But again, you just risk, easy money. you risk, you risk the, I guess the reputation factor, maybe, you know, I don't know if a guy like Andre yeah. Ward, or somebody like that would actually do this. But it's to each his own. Oh, and, I, and I'm with you, you know? I mean it's to each his own. He'd do it. He would? Okay. Yeah, yeah, because it's not it's not it's not it's not boxing. It's not prize fighting. It, it's just it, it's boxing is exhibition. So you you just basically, hey, I'm Floyd Mayweather. Come down and see me. It's like almost like WWE. You know what I'm saying? Come down and see me perform. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna go against this guy. Why not? You know, I'm Floyd I'm Floyd Money Mayweather. And just so people can get a glimpse at glimpse at him. Right. You know, and the tickets are not expensive like if he was fighting. So everybody can come out and support. Now that all the brawling craziness that goes on with it, you know, uh, you know, he ain't got nothing to do with that. Right. Floyd ain't got nothing to do with that. You know, sometimes it's just when these people that get they drinking them, and you know the mouth start popping off and, and, and things start escalating. That's what happens. These brawls break out. 
You know, anytime somebody's intoxicated and alcohol's involved or even drugs involved, you know there's going to fight, fight and possibly break out. So, so we, you've, you've been involved calling a couple of great fights uh, over the last few weeks. Yeah. I want your, your quick take on the Lomachenko-Haney fight. Uh, very closely contested. A lot of people thought uh, that Lomachenko won the fight. What was your take on that? Uh, you know, going back, if you go back and watch my, watch the fight, uh, with the audio, if you go back and you watch the end, I never said who, who I thought won. Right. I never said it because at that time I had no clue. Um, and just to give you a little story after the fight, I turned around because it's really hard to really like commentate a fight and score the fight at the same time. Like it's difficult to do. Um, because you got someone in your ear. You know, telling you, you know, your producer talking to you in your ear, telling you what's coming up next or what's going on, and Joe got it from here, and so on and so forth. And then I'm trying to listen to what Joe is asking or what Andre's saying so I can piggyback off of something Trey is saying. You know, then I'm trying to analyze it, then I'm trying to process it, and then I'm trying to speak, you know what I mean, to where everybody can understand what the hell I'm saying. So it's really hard. It's really just to be like, oh, he won that round. You know, some rounds are like, oh, damn, he definitely, he, he won that round, no doubt. I mean, when it was complete demolished, but I just saw a lot of close rounds, swing rounds. In the beginning, I saw Haney take off early, a couple of swing rounds in between, and then I saw Lomachenko come on late. You know what I mean? And the late, you got to think about this. What you see late is is what you think is 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 going to happen. The result's going to be. So Haney, uh, Lomachenko came on late, so everybody was like, "Dang, Lomachenko won the fight," and he dominated what two rounds, I believe, of the fight. Right. Where you're saying, holy crap, he won that fight, no doubt about it. He beat him up. And it's like, no, he won two rounds. <laughs> he didn't knock him down. He won two rounds. Yes, he landed some punches in that round, but that don't mean that he won the, the totality of the fight. No, he didn't. So at the end, I turn around, and I ask my brother-in-law, I say, who won? My brother-in-law said, Loma. And I asked my other brother that was right next to him, I said, who won? He said, Hey. I was like, <laughs> I said, it's a draw. I said, it's a draw. It, I, I said, it's a draw because I had to turn around and do that because I wasn't sure who won the fight because I knew the fight was extremely close. And I'm not sure how these, these judges are going to fight. So at the end of the day, Haney won the fight. He's a champion. Um, those swing rounds, obviously the swing rounds favored the champion. Obviously it did for him to win on a two-point margin. And I think a long, long scorecard, uh, three point. That's the only thing I problem I had with it was that, that I think it was the 10th round or the, I think it was the 10th round yeah, when the, right. I think who was it? The judge scored it for, uh, for Haney, Haney when he's yeah. supposed to score it for Loma. Yeah. That, that was, that was a difficult thing to, to swallow. But other than that, Haney would have won the fight even if he would have scored that round correctly. 115, 113. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch. A couple weeks later, we had Tiafimo Lopez and Josh Taylor. How impressed were you with Lopez? And he was an under- underdog coming into that fight. Yeah, yeah, he was the underdog. And, you know, I didn't pick him to win the fight, honestly. Uh, and I didn't pick him to win the fight because he hadn't looked good at 140. Yeah. You know, he he hadn't looked good at 140. Josh Taylor is is, is, is been at 140. He's been established at 140. He's fought better, better opponent, you know, a uh, ton of undefeated guys. He took their oath. Um, so, you know, I have respect for him, the champion. Um, Tiafimo Lopez, I'm going to tell him this, you know, and, and I, maybe he listened to your show, maybe he doesn't, but I got number love for the kid, you know, I've supported this kid, I've always been on the team, I'm always the one, you see, I can't show favoritism towards any guy, you know, you see, I got to call a spade a spade, period, you know, so like when I'm broadcasting, you know, maybe my choice of words are not the right thing to say, you know what I mean, and this ain't no apology at all, I'm not apologizing for anything, you know, but I say what I got to say because, it, you know, I want it to be impactful, one, and I want you to get it and understand. So when I called him dog food for the 140 division, I think that ticked him off. And so it kind of soured our relationship. But I can just tell you this. I told Teofimo Lopez, and he can't lie, because I told, I told him several times, I said, man, listen to me. When you are 100% on top of your game, physically and mentally, no one can beat you. No one. Do you understand that? I said this several occasions to his face. You know, he goes, all right, champ. Okay, champ. Okay, okay. That night, when he fought against Taylor, he was at the very top of his game. Honestly. I mean, firing on all cylinders from the opening bell. I, I, he threw more punches than Taylor, who's more known for volume. Yeah. How, do, how does Tifimo Lopez throw more punches than you, Taylor? 
So obviously, Taylor one struggled to make weight. Probably, you know. Another reason is is because 14 months before he had his last fight, so that inactivity caught up with him. Tao, on the other hand, and this is why fighters need to stay more active, take less money to face to take take less risk or fight lesser opponents and take less money so that way you're active. So when the big fights come up like this, you're able to maximize your dollar and win these big fights. He, this was his third fight in 10 months. Third fight in 10 months. That's activity. I knew he was going to be sharp. I, <laughs> I had a feeling he was going to be sharp. I knew he was going to be sharp. And he showed us what he was made of on that night. So great job. Fantastic job, Tiafimo Lopez. Good job, man. And um, now he's retired. <laughs> hey, and it, it, now it, he's retired. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? What it was? It was like there it is. What you had talked about earlier with you and Dan Raphael. It's like okay, you fired him up. You got him motivated, man. It was it. It was the media got him motivated. There it is, man. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Absolutely. Full and, circle, and, and, man. You know, fighters, we feed off of that, man. You, we, we feed off of that. Yeah. Either you let it hinder you. You know, and, and it's been both with him. It's been both with him. You know, the media has, 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 has you know, uh, been very negative and, 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 you know, has really, uh, you know, just his, his, his mindset. You know, it, we worry about his mindset because some of the things that he says or whatnot. But obviously, uh, we were wrong. You know, his mind was great. His mind was fresh. And he showed it when he fought against Taylor. So, but I just, I don't understand the whole retirement thing, though, man. I, I really don't. I don't get it. Maybe we'll know something. Uh, the kid is smart, man. I, like, I'm going to tell you right now, y'all, y'all think the kid is dumb. The kid is actually smart. If you go back and you, and you, watch, and you watch how he moves, um, and he made some dumb choices too, but check this out. Lomachenko was out of the ring the longest of his career when he fought him. And he was in the ring when he was hurt. When he was hurt and he fought him anyway. And, and Lopez, Lomachenko was trying to somewhat promote and storm that fight. You know, but Lopez was like, no, nah, we're going to do it now. He knew that Loma was out of the ring for some time. He knew he wasn't going to be sharp. I understand that. And when he fought Loma, he beat him. The same thing happened here. Now, Taylor was supposed to come back and fight Catterall. That had materialized. But see, you got the Lopez that's barking. He's barking. And when he barks, he barks loud. And he lets everybody know. And it's like, you can't, you can't duck Taylor. You can't duck the Lopez. Not on Taylor. And he got him wound up. And he said, so Taylor was like, oh, okay, well, let's go, T.O. Let's go. You look like crap your last fight. Oh, yeah, your last two fights? Oh, no doubt. Let's do it. But in the back of his mind, he's saying, huh, it's been 14 months since you've been on the ring. You coming off the injury, too? Ain't no way this guy going to beat me. And he put himself in position, once again, to win a huge fight. And he just beat the undisputed champion at 140 now. Understand that. At 140, the undisputed champion. So he put himself in a good position, man, uh, moving forward in his career. And I know he'll be back. I, there's no doubt in my mind. I, I think this is just some sort of a... Uh, this kid wants some attention. I don't know. Yeah, it must be attention to something he wants. Yeah, and I agree with you. It's it, those are two parallel situations that again that he was the underdog against Lomachenko and uh, against Taylor and he came up big time. No, we need to see more of Lopez, but we just need to see less of his dad. Less of Pops and then we'll be oh, okay. Oh man, his dad is Oh my god. Yes. Please. <laughs> no. Dang, you know what? I I you know what? Dads, dads that try to, to try to manage and try to, you know, dad, just be a coach. I can't stand dads that just get too involved in the game and want to be in the limelight. You know, I can't stand dads that want to have wear more jewelry than the, than the fighters. I know. It's just like the coaches. I can't stand coaches that want to have more jewelry on than the fighters. And he wants to look and he wants to, you know, uh, want everybody to see him and be, be lit up more than a fighter. I can't stand that, man. Stay in your lane, I brother. I cannot stand right? that. Stay in your lane. So, yeah, stay yeah. in your lane. You the coach, you the daddy, you know what I mean? And, and what he needs to be is, instead of being a coach all the damn time, he needs to be a father to his son. There you go. That's what he needs to be, a father, man. Well, so I could talk about his dad all, man. I could talk about his dad. I could talk about his dad. But you know what? This is a uh, PG-13 show, so I'm just going to chill on <laughs> All right, brother. Hey, we appreciate the time, man. I appreciate you taking some time out. I'm going to let you get back to that weed eater, okay, whatever you got going on. No, there. I ain't on no weed eater, man. <laughs> I'm going to plant some new grass right oh, before the summer. We got some new sod in there, man. I love it. Forget, no, forget I, the artificial uh, turf, no, man. No. He's going grass. Ain't no sod. Yeah. Ain't no sod, man. Real you got to re, you got to reseed. Yeah. Pull up all the, pull up all the old grass and kill it off. 
You pull it all up. Listen, you man, know, you, you you're, detach it. You're a guy from Palm I'm Springs. What do people from Palm Springs know about that? All you know about, like here in Vegas, you know about rock beds and and uh, and, and, and dirt, man. We, we don't know grass out here in, in Palm Springs. See? Come on, man. Come on, man. I'm about to plant some. I got a shaded area out here. Oh, I got to, I'm gonna get some nice. I know tall you. I know you out here, baby. Tall I know you out here right now. I'm just giving you. All right, baby. Best shoot. I love hey, it. Hey, it's good chopping up with you, baby. Best, best man. Great. Always Thank good. you so much for having me on the show. You got it, Timmy B. And next time you get to Vegas, we're definitely hooking up. Okay, man. All right. Take, bet. take care, brother. All right. Appreciate you. Peace. Yeah, Timmy Bradley into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. One of the best fighters that's ever lived, but also uh, one of the great commentators and a guy that just loves to talk boxing. That is his passion. We come back. We talk passion at the sports book. Chuck Esposito does that. Hi, this is Lennox Lewis, last undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. California. Alright, let's go out to one of my favorite spots. The comfy confines and the air conditioning of the Red Rock Hotel and Casino Sportsbook. And my man Chuck Esposito. Probably got the feet on the desk and he's got the Chicago regalia, memorabilia all in the office right now. Probably sipping on an Arnold Palmer right now, too. He's living the he's living the life in June here. What's going on, Chuck? Living the life, T. Living the life, buddy. I love it. Deservedly so, man. There you go, man. If there's a sports book director's Hall of Fame, you'd be in it, Chuck. <laughs> there there is be. one, and I'm not. Is a... <laughs> hey, is there one really? I think it's a, a sports gaming Hall of Fame. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. You're on your way, my friend. I, 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 I'll start beating the drum for you right now. That a boy. That's it. All right, man. Let's see. Numpchuck wanted to say something. Go ahead, Numpchuck. What do you want to say? I was going to say, are you going to beat the drum or the trash can? Oh, that's, 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 ah. that's, I, why did I even let, why did I even let you, that's terrible. That's terrible. Uh, what was I going to talk to Chuck about? I was going to talk to, oh, I was going to talk to Chuck. Uh, Chicago. I, was gonna talk, I know what I was going to talk to Chuck about. So Chuck, how do you feel about, um, how do you feel about professional sports mascots? I'm okay with him. Why? <laughs> He's a hesitation. Right? Well, because I... Yeah, I, like he, he set me up for something. No, no, no not really. Just because I thought of you and Nunchuck, you know, earlier in, in the big seven-footer as well, too, because um, a, a story came out about uh, mascots being high-paid mascots. Who do you think is the highest-paid mascot in the NBA? I have no idea. They'd be your current world champions... The Denver Nuggets and Rocky the Mountain Lion. Rocky the Mountain Lion, I like it. And, and, and what do you think Rocky makes? You want to take a guess? What what a, a mascot in the NBA makes? Two fifty. Two. You better more than double that, my friend. Wow. Rocky's I didn't making, know. Rocky's making six twenty-five, and I bring you into this equation wow. because number two is Harry the Hawk from Atlanta. And checking in at number three, Chuck, you know who it is. Benny the Bull. Benny the Bull. <laughs> but but you must be Benny's accountant because that's what Benny makes. Of what your guess was. Pretty good. That's because I applied for that job once, and you know it just. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, Did you apply? I went. In, I went in a different direction. Oh. Uh, now, isn't it weird? Because what do you think, like Benny the Bull made back in say the the early seventies? <laughs> Lunch money, right? Exactly, right? <laughs> Crazy how times have changed, right? Yep, you can say that again, buddy. But you know, it, it's it, it's really about the experience, and yeah. I mean, I'll even take it a step further, being in in T Mobile and and going to Knights games frequently that a lot of times you'll see a fan sitting around you from other cities or the opponent's cities, and they ask the question. I've heard them ask, you know, they've asked me many times, different people, is it always like this? And the answer is yes. It might be a little Vegas-esque and a little over the top, um, but that's the, the experience of it. And I think you're seeing that in more and more venues around the country, uh, in different sports, that you want to create that entertainment aspect and in many cases, the mascot's a big part of that. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it's great for the kids. We know the kids love 
uh, the whole mascot thing. And, uh, I, I love the traditional ones. Like I said, like Benny the Bull that's been around for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. I mean, that's, that's cool. I mean, some of these ones that we're seeing right now, like I do, I, I think the Philly fanatic is cool. I mean, who doesn't like going to a ballpark and seeing the Philly fanatic, right? Well, remember, I mean, the San Diego chicken. Yes. Remember how, I mean, that, that 650 might pale in comparison to what he made. Um, I know at that point he was extremely, well compensated and he did the you know the tour too i mean he would go to other ballparks and other sporting events and autograph sessions um so that's the one that really stands out to me is as the guy that really kind of changed um the view of mascots was the san diego chicken no you're absolutely correct there it is all right uh, there's our, our line maker on the mascots that is chuck esposito <laughs> there it is hey man <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the golden knights we uh were you in attendance at the parade uh, i was at, i was in attendance at the game but not at the parade right right i know we talked about the i game. did watch i did watch and I, I enjoyed it and it was uh, fun, but I was not at the actual parade. Now I know that uh, again, you know, there are future lines that are that are already up, and I know you guys put those things up uh, immediately. And we've seen like the Golden Knights, like in the neighborhood. I think what nine to one, ten to one, uh, right along there. In I don't know how you feel about the whole, you know, the the futures, you know, market with that so far in advance, Chuck. Just for like from a, a better uh, standpoint, but why do you think that that line might be maybe a little bit steep, considering that I don't want to say the Golden Knights, you know, won the Stanley Cup rather easily, but for the most part, they're going to have a majority of this team coming back, and usually for a champion in that same situation, we see odds a little bit shorter, don't you think? Um, well, number one, they have been Betty. Uh, you've seen more action on the Knights than any other team in our future book. They've already dropped uh, roughly uh, six and a half to one. Oh, wow. So you've okay. seen a, a big push on them. Uh, it's really difficult to repeat in that league. I think I think the the Lightning have done it in the last decade. But you you look at teams that were really good. Um, you know, the Kings had a nice run. The Hawks. Um, it, it's been re- it's really really difficult. We know that the Knights are up against the cap somewhat. We don't know if Aiden Hill will be back. Uh, there's a tough decision to make with him. Um, Barbachev, there's some other tough decisions to make as well. And they don't have a lot of wiggle room as far as the cap goes. So, And I think you look at a team like um, Colorado, who was really beat up this past year, that they look to be healthier at this point um, with three months to go until you know training camp or the season starts. So I think you just kind of factor those things in a bit. I think it was a perfect kind of storm for, for Vegas, the way it all worked out. Um, uh, they played great under Cassidy's system. The uh, young goaltenders were able to step up. It didn't matter who was playing. Um, Colorado was eliminated you know, kind of early. They did have the big win against Edmonton, uh, and then were able to beat a number eight seed who needed the Blackhawks to beat a Penguins that was over a $4 favorite the second to last day of the season to even get into the playoffs, although they were giant killers knocking off Boston and Toronto in the postseason. Um, but I think it's just really, really difficult to repeat in that league. You got it. All right. We know that we're, uh, what, six weeks away from, from football. I mean, it is right around the corner here. And I know that is this kind of like the the last uh, gasp for for people in the sports book to take a little vacation time as we as you get ready because you know college football is going to be right around the corner. And of course, preseason football is wildly popular as well too. Talk a little bit about what you're doing prep wise for the football season. Yeah, just kind of getting a bunch of different props ready um, that we're looking at. If it's uh, some of the rookies, uh, Bijan Robinson, and um, some of the other rookies, uh, Aaron Rodgers, we have some props up with him. Just kind of fine tuning stuff like that. The divisions, um, teams to make the playoffs, yes or no. Uh, just all that uh, season win totals for all the teams. Um, that's clearly going to be the buzz. Fine tuning, uh, last man standing for both college and pro football. And you're right. We're probably looking at a six to week, six to eight week stretch that is a little quieter than what we've been through of late. Um, but everything's going to be geared towards getting ready for football season, of course. All right, Chuck. Uh, college baseball World Series. I know it's uh, it's very exciting. I personally uh, enjoy it. How much action are you, are you seeing on this? And do you see? 
sharp money on on this because as we know, you know, college baseball lines aren't really up during the course of of their long season, but you know, people like to bet on it. This is one of the few things that that you can bet on right now along with, you know, daily action in Major League Baseball and of course the WNBA. But what kind of action are you seeing and give me some thoughts on on the college baseball World Series? I think the college baseball World Series is is great, T. We've seen an increase in handle um, year after year on it, you, you definitely see uh, some sharp play on it as well. It's not something that, you know, the, the average fan maybe follows as much um, as regular baseball. So you're looking and kind of critiquing uh, who's going to be pitching, um, you know, the strength of team schedules, where they're kind of ranked. But, uh, but overall, I think the more stuff that we add to our overall wagering menu, the better. And we've tried to do that and really capitalize on whatever the sport is. And definitely, you know, the girls' softball uh, leading up to their championship and, and the guys' college World Series is, is both uh, two sports that have generated a tremendous amount of action. And the skill level is just tremendous. I mean, watching um, the, the women's softball, they're just so talented and so good. I love watching their games. And, again, we've drawn really good action on those games as well. Right. Now, is there a, is there a team that uh, either the public or Sharps are coming in on on this College Baseball World Series? You know, I mean, I think, you know, TCU's been kind of a team that they looked at. We saw that number in the game against Oral Roberts kind of creep up today, and they were able to win that game. Um, but, uh, you know, again, overall, I think a lot's based on what teams did during the regular season, and they're kind of looking at those teams and and uh, enjoying up having these bets going right now. So it's again, it's good for us, especially on a day like today where you had really no day baseball and you had an eleven o'clock College World Series game. All right, all right. We know that the Aces have been big double digit favorites, and uh, they've covered uh, a couple of those in, in the last week or so. Uh, earlier on, they weren't covering some big numbers. Are, are you at a point where you're saying, okay, how how big of a line can we make on 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 some of these games? Because clearly, they are the class of the league. They are T, but I think you know more than anything else, um, you still want to put up a number that you hope will draw. Um, good two-way action. And, you know, we know that the Aces, very, very similar to what we see with um, uh, the Knights and, and the Raiders and, you know, anything else that's uh, um, going on, is that you're going to see more action on them. So, hey, if, uh, if they continue to bet them or they bet them up, we're still going to try to be, you know, in market or as close to market as we possibly can be. Uh, no question that being the defending champs, um, the locals are, are backing them. Similar to again what they did with the Knights and what we've seen with the Raiders throughout the last season or two. All right. <laughs> Chuck Esposito joins us over at uh, Red Rock. All right, Chuck, who's uh, who's going to win a championship first, the Blackhawks or the Bears? Uh, I would say the Bears. Um, I think just not Bears, Dicka. I would say just uh, you know because of their the draft capital that they have too. Over the next few years, although Blackhawks do as well, um, you know, I think over the last few years they've really trended in the right direction with what they've done and parted ways with a lot of veterans. Um, I think if Justin Fields can take the next step and kind of improve the way that you saw Jalen Hurts improve in year three and Josh Allen improve in year three, I would say the favorite would be the Bears. You know, we should just put the Cubs and the White Sox in there as well, too, and and the Bulls. We should have put them all in there, Chuck. We have another, like, 104 years for us. Isn't it? it, Think think about the long shot. This is sad, right? And I'm not ripping because, you know, I love Chicago just as much as you guys do. But isn't it weird that all of those teams are substantial long shots? Every one of them. Well, they're all kind of going through that rebuild right now, but that can change. I mean, we've seen, you know, teams go from worst to first rather quickly, and I think in, in both the, the Cubs, the Blackhawks, and the Bears case, um, they understood this was coming. They both were able to add a lot of uh, young talent and draft capital, and you've seen all of their kind of, especially in the, in the Blackhawks and Cubs, all of their minor league systems kind of raised to the top five in, in both of their respective sports, and I think you know that'll bode well. Um, I think when you go kind of the veteran route, when you're in a rebuild, it takes way longer. Um, than, than going the youth route. And I think both those teams have headed in the right direction. Chuck, can you tell the difference between a Vienna hot dog and a Nathan's and a Hebrew national? 
Man, you are really putting me on the spot. I said, All I can tell you is I know what a Chicago hot dog is. There, so. That's what I'm talking about. There it is. And that's where the Vienna comes in. It, it is the Vienna all day. You know? I'm, 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 yep. I'm that hot dog connoisseur. And people are trying to pass off on Nathan's or Hebrew Nationals on me. I'm, I'm not standing for it, Chuck. We have to have the, man, Cadillac, I, I, the Cadillac of all hot dogs, the Vienna. I, I just can't go there, man. It's all about a Chicago dog. That's Chicago exactly. Italian beef, the deep dish pizza. I know we've had that yep. discussion before, but, you know, I'm uh, I'm a little partial. We all are. We all are. No question. Like I said, I mean, Nathan's is New York. Hebrews kind of, I don't know where they are, but, you know, Vienna is <laughs> Chicago. That's it. And the true Chicago yep. dog is is the Vienna. Yep. And, and I, these New York people are hitting me up about <laughs> sabrets, you know, and you know the street, the, the the dirty dogs in, in in New York City. I said, take that away. We don't need that. You know, give, give me. The, <laughs> we got to go to the Vienna with the poppy seed bun, right? There you go. Oh, the poppy seed buns are the best. Yeah. See, no question. All right. Hey, you can tell it's June because we're talking about hot dogs, right, Chuck? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I was just thinking. I was just thinking the same thing, buddy. I know. Uh, hey, we, just, hey, guys, we gotta break it up a little bit, man. You know, we gotta break hey, it up. Hey, gotta have some fun. That's gotta it. have some fun. All right, brother. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I will let you go. Appreciate it, as always. Great stuff. We look forward to talking with you next week. Are you taking a little vacation yourself here pretty soon? Uh, yeah, at some point I will take a little time off between now and when football starts, but, uh, but I'll be back on with you next week. All good, buddy. All right, brother. Sounds good. Appreciate it, as always. Hey, get over to the uh, Red Rock or any of the station casino properties. STN mobile app, app. So easy to use, right, Chuck? So easy. Use Absolutely. It. Baseball. We'll, we'll be happy to show everybody how to use it, man. we got a great, great team out there that can help you download uh, the app, shoot the QR code that will bring you right to it. And, uh, and sign up for SDN Sports. There it is. And that app just shoots you immediately to the Chicago teams of every sport, too. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, boys. Have a great day. Thanks, man. Chuck Esposito, one of the best over that at Red Rock and Station Casinos Properties. All right, there it is. Uh, go back to the website, check it all out. You can listen to our interview uh, with Mark Davis. That'll be up our, there a little bit later on. Uh, Timothy Bradley as well, too, celebrating his induction into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. And, of course, uh, Chuck Esposito joined us as well. Plus, Terrible Tuesday, all of those takes. All right, I will be out tomorrow in Phoenix. And... Uh, I'm not going to sway you to away from this show, but again, you want to listen to the Aces broadcast on the radio. Does start at 12:30 tomorrow. All right, 12:30 tip off, 12 o'clock pregame show. Going to be down the dial a few uh, notches. Going to be a special station tomorrow. We're going to be Radio Nation Radio 9:20 tomorrow. But then Jose Volante will be in with me, and I'll try to join him uh, after the game. So that'll end around 2:30 or so. So make sure you uh, join Jose. Have some uh, great guests. Of course, Numbchuck will be here, and Marco D'Angelo will be in the house as well tomorrow. Fill it in for me, and I will be back here Thursday at 2 o'clock for you. So make sure you tune in then. You realize something? Yes, sir. By the time that this show starts? Yes. Tomorrow? Yes. The Aces will have won. Well, not start. It, it, no. no. 2 o'clock, two o'clock. It'll be third quarter. It'll, it'll, be, over it, it'll be like 35 point lead. We're, oh. we're good. I like that. Okay, that's good. All right. For Numbchuck. Enjoy the intern who knows his mascot money. That fine education at UNLV is working wonders. Appreciate those guys. Jose tomorrow. I'll be back Thursday. Have yourself a good one. And again, go to the website. Check it all out. TCBarnShow.com. See ya.